and welcome to episode 3 of My Corner of Earth, a podcast about the gardens and growers of Scotland, with me, Julianne Robertson. I'm a journalist with a special interest in plants and gardening, and I'm a self-confessed plant geek. I love sowing and growing, and I have a serious addiction to propagation. This time, we'll be speaking to East Nook Perennials, a small independent nursery based in Collinsborough in Fife. Welcome to My Corner of Earth. Karen Wilkinson and Sue Rabjohns are the growers behind East Nook Perennials. As the name suggests, they're based in the East Nook of Fife, which is a coastal area close to St Andrews, taking in a lot of very bonny wee towns and fishing villages. They're experienced gardeners, both having worked in a variety of estates and gardens of all sizes, but their passion is for propagation. And when they met up at a fete in 2011, they realised they shared a dream to run a nursery. So that's just what they did. They teamed up to create a small, independent nursery, growing and selling a wide variety of herbaceous perennials, which are completely hardy and suitable for the Scottish climate, with many in particular suitable for the coastal conditions of their own part of Fife. When I read about their nursery and how they met, I was really keen to speak to them, to find out how they've progressed to this point and how it works running a nursery from your back garden. If you follow me on Instagram, you might already know that it's something I'm doing on a much, much smaller scale. But suffice to say, I love the process of growing something from seed or cutting into a healthy plant and handing it over to a customer who's looking for something special for their garden. So Karen and Sue's story really intrigued me and I had a lot, a lot of questions for them. We met at Karen's house where their nursery is based and they were good enough to let me have a good look around their setup, the polytunnel, the benches, all the storage and see the range of plants of course. I started by asking how it all began and they told me about the issues they had with their first attempt at setting up the nursery which involved selling cut flowers from a walled garden. But when it became clear this wasn't going to be a sustainable option, they realised they needed to move all the perennial stock they had to their new location, which was Karen's back garden. So Karen takes up the story. They said, could we clear the garden? And we'd got all these perennials planted in in there. So we just dug them all up. We went one weekend, didn't we? Dug them all up, chucked them in compost bags Mm -hmm. and brought them here. But of course they were going dormant then anyway, so mm-hmm. that that was kind of a, but we had eighty compost bags full of plants <laughs> and we dumped them in the woodland behind the polytunnel and then proceeded over that winter and the following spring to then pot them up. Mm-hmm. But by the time we were doing that, they'd all died. Or they'd all died back. Mm. So we were guessing what they were. Because nothing was labelled. <laughs> we know what had been labelled in the garden. Some of them had been but yeah. So we kind of knew what we'd had in the garden. So we knew it was one of 40 or 50 different sorts of plants, but it was real guesswork what it was. And we did remarkably what took me. I mean, an exercise in plant identification based entirely on a root ball. (laughs) It was a real learning exercise, wasn't it? It would be an exam, shouldn't it? And we think we got two wrong wrong, out of the whole lot. That's amazing. Yeah, because it was, what do you think this is? Looks yeah. a bit like, and there was a few dead kind of leaves, and trees, and seed heads, seed heads, and things in there. Could so, like, oh, elimination. That or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we did very well. But it means they're not gaining our stock. Did it? Did it? Yeah. But right. then going forward, it did. Yeah. Um, 
but then I think it was then we probably really decided we'd just, just go with here, here mm. instead of trying to find anywhere else. Yeah. And we decided we would use the borders in the garden mm-hmm. for stock, which has taken us six years <laughs> to get round to actually doing. So that was kind of how we ended up mm. where we are now, really. We've just, isn't it? We've just pushed out and pushed out and pushed yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is my garden. <laughs> And so you said you you got some horticultural yeah I I did um, a diploma a natural diploma at uh, Ockenkrove College over in oh. Prestwick over in there in the early seventies and then got work with funnily enough the Ministry of Agriculture in Kent oh. so I worked with them for a couple of years and then meanwhile I'd got married to my husband married to my husband married a contemporary at, at the college mm. and he got a job over in Isla one of the in the Hebride Islands mm. as a head gardener. So we shipped out and moved there for mm-hmm. a couple of years. But there was no job for me, really. Yeah. Um, I suppose I could have helped him, but there was nothing really for me. I got a bit sort of... So I left okay. um, and got varying jobs mm-hmm. in garden centres and garden centre manager type roles. Okay. Um, and then I remarried and moved to Aberdeen and um, moved away from horticulture for a while mm. and retrained in IT and became right. a programmer, a computer right. programmer, so it, and then became an IT trainer with Fair Council. So that was, yeah. And they've come full circle again. I've come full circle. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was, I was getting really fed up and I hadn't really thought about, I, mean, I think I was talking to Karen about gardening and thought, no, I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and then I had the opportunity to take redundancy, so, um, so yeah, so it's... And, and you my qualifications. My background is completely different. Mm-hmm. I, when I left school, I went to work for what was ICI at the time um, as a lab technician, right. um, and they ultimately became AstraZeneca. And it's a pharmaceutical company, mm-hmm. um, and I worked in the labs and doing various jobs up in the quality assurance department for them. Worked for them for twenty-two years, and then kind of decided I couldn't face another twenty years doing the same thing. Uh, and we decided that we wanted a change in lifestyle um, and the plan was always, I, I always wanted to have a plant nursery but when we first moved here we were told by the, the council that we wouldn't, we would be unlikely to get planning permission to have a nursery where people come visit mm. because of the access on and off the main road. So at that point I decided oh, I'll go and do gardening then. So, So that's what I did, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of gravitated to being mm-hmm. half gardening, mm-hmm. half the nursery, really, because we don't earn a living no. from the nursery. No. Um, so it's really the gardening that pays our wages, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the nursery is almost a very intensive hobby. <laughs> really, <laughs> that assuming a good sort of spread of experience, then of all different types yeah, of gardening have, and plants and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, massively. I mean, to to literally tiny little courtyard mm-hmm. gardens up to, to big, you know, huge estates. Huge estates. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Belcaris is massive. It is massive. I mean, I'm I was there on. for a while as well. Yes. But, um, so yeah, you do, you know, and it is it's tremendous experience because I mean, even Wormston, which is relatively small. Has woodland and and large ponds and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and it has a walled garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and Balcaris is the same, the same isn't it? Yeah, huge but woodland. on a much bigger scale, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, 
Yeah, I mean, we've done every sort of gardening you could imagine, mm. from hedge trimming, strimming, you know, trees, crosswork, to yeah, yeah, yeah. to mm. propagating and just about anything really. Mm-hmm. So so we've learned, uh, sorry, no, but we've learned a lot, I think. Yeah. Even though we've both had, because you did a qualification correspondence course. That's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I did the uh, horticultural correspondence course. Um, to gain a qualification. Um, but you realise how little you know, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it, and a, a qualification, I mean, certainly I, I didn't find it particularly difficult to do that because I'd been a keen gardener for a number of years anyway. So it wasn't difficult to get the qualification. But, you know, I've learnt so much more from actually Just working actually in the gardens yeah, yeah. And, and in the nursery yeah. than you yeah. ever learn from any yeah. sort of mm-hmm. qualification. Yeah. You only really start learning, it's a bit like driving, you only start learning really once you start you've, driving. you're yeah. doing yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I've never had anybody ask me if I've got a qualification. Really? <laughs> no, no, no. Never. No, no, no. <laughs> That's interesting, so, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is one of those things, isn't it, people, uh, I suppose, I, I'm probably of that mindset, If you if you're going to go for a job, you need to be qualified, you need to have read the books and you need think, to, yeah. so I'm kind of trying to shake that off a bit myself, thinking, yeah. well, it's fine because you've got experience of this or that, that means and you're just as qualified. And that's what them. people are interested in, generally, yeah. isn't it? Your experience and... How much you've actually done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, women generally, don't they? So if, yeah. you haven't got, if you can't do 80% of a job, then you won't even go for it, whereas a, a man will say, well, I can do that bit, so fine, I'll go <laughs> for <laughs> <all> the <rest." laughs> So the nursery then is sort of your, maybe a passion project kind of thing? Oh, very much yeah. so, very yeah. much so, yeah. We were both, I mean, that's really what drew, drew us together, it's the fact that we were both interested in herbaceous perennials, mm-hmm. as it was, uh, oh, so am I. Um, yeah, so... And how does it work then? So who do you sell to? Do you get out and about with it? Or do pe- most people yeah. come to you? Or No, we go out we mostly, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, we started off just going to Scotland's Gardens open days. Mm-hmm. Um, just so filling up two hours. Both so cars. again, like Balcaris, Wormiston, mm-hmm. uh, Crail, Small Gardens. Falkland. Um, things like that. We yeah. used to, we, we just like she said, we'd load two cars up with plants and turn yeah. up at these and, sometimes and Mike. sell whatever we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes Mike would bring a, a car load as well. Um, and we still do that, mm-hmm. don't we? Just we the van, the, but yeah, but we have the van there. Mm. Um, but there's a handful. There's probably only yeah, we selected the ones we want to keep that we we yeah. still go to. Um, we go to St Andrew's Farmers Market, mm-hmm. and we have started going to Bowhouse mm-hmm. Market as well. Oh yes. Um, so we do that. That they're both only once a month. Mm-hmm. But we also do, we offer a border design service mm. as well now. So if people um, are having their garden redesigned or if they're just not very happy with a particular part of the garden or they're starting from scratch, um, then we'll go in and do a proposal suggestion as mm. to what they might do with it. Um, we don't do full garden design. Mm. We don't have hard landscape. No, we literally just—it's just planting plans and things like that mm-hmm. that we we do, um, and then we'll provide the plants. We will plant them up if people want us to. Our ideal job is we go plan a garden, deliver the plants, place them, 
and then somebody else plants them. <laughs> Which is, we, we had a huge one up at Cooper, didn't we, actually, yeah, we did. at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what happened. We just delivered about 600 plants, placed them all out on the borders for her, Brilliant. and Louise planted them. Great. <laughs> it was Great. like perfect. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you a bit about um, the independent nursery scene in general. I mean, is it it's obviously worthwhile people supporting something like a small yeah. local grower yeah. as opposed to going to doggies so or wherever for their plants. I mean, the, the thing, the, the issues with buying from the likes of the big garden centres is, A, everything's brought in from down south, if not abroad. Mm-hmm. So and it's not appropriate for its season so you'll get things that have been brought on in tunnels massively and particularly at this time of year you'll see tons of stuff in flowering garden centres that wouldn't naturally be at this time of year here you know it'd be barely showing through the soil at this stage um and you take something like that and plant it here now it's going to curl its toes up (laughs) you know it's just not going to be happy um and we'll probably never get established so you, you're better off buying something that's been grown locally because it's used to the local conditions yes. for a start. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything here is all grown outside. All of our stuff is overwintered outside. Mm-hmm. The only things that aren't are small cuttings, which you put in the tunnel to overwinter just to give them a bit of shelter. Um, but apart from that, everything's overwintered outside, so it's hardy. We mm. know if it's survived here, it's, it's going to survive yeah. in, in some, mm. a customer's garden as well. Yeah. Um, you will get a much bigger range and selection of plants in a small independent nursery than you will in the garden centres. All the garden centres sell all the same stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they predominantly come from the same places. You know, The same growers supply all the garden centres. Mm-hmm. So you won't get anything particularly different or unusual. Um, yes, whereas we have an interest mm-hmm. in growing unusual and, and plants. Yeah, different varieties. Or different varieties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Different. Not just the mainstream ones, exactly. I find that exactly. as well. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. so you, know, you get someone. our passion coming in to the plants yeah. as opposed to someone, you know, we'll have that, 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 and that. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's and things that, that you know, might be just a little bit more challenging hmm. to keep going to start with, that garden centres and growers who got the time the, the, just won't bother with mm-hmm. um, and they may still be perfectly viable once they've got to a decent size and they're in the ground but if they're longer term you know if they take a while there's some of our stuff that will take us four or five years to get from a seedling or from a cutting to a plant that's Sealable. substantially enough to sell yeah but commercial growers Have aren't going to grow that sort of that thing because it yeah. just takes too long. Yeah. It's not um, making money quickly. Yeah, enough. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you get a lot of um, coastal conditions here. I yeah. guess you're planting yeah. for coastal gardens, a bit drier, a bit salt. That's right. Yeah. 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 And do you grow a lot for that specific condition, mm-hmm. or do you just try and keep a general spread? We keep a general spread yeah. really, and there are obviously one or two things which we know do well. Yeah, yeah. We obviously won't plant a still bees down in Ely, which is just pure sand. Um, but yeah, but we do tend to make sure we have a selection a that will cope with yeah. those kind of conditions as well, mm-hmm. because it's something we need a reasonable quantity of often. Mm-hmm. 
because um, the border design stuff mm-hmm. often is yeah. mm-hmm. coastal type things. Yeah. So yeah, we we do we do have a, a good selection that'll cope with that, but we try and mm-hmm. stock Quite stuff that will cope with all sorts as well. Mm-hmm, sure. mm-hmm. As a small nursery as well, how do you deal with issues that um, are very topical at the moment, like? plastic use oh, yeah. like pesticides organic yeah. gardening all that sort of thing <laughs> I mean it's something obviously it's e- easier to deal with if you're a big yeah, yeah. grower but mm. as a smaller one is that a big challenge it's it, actually I mean we grow organically predominantly don't we mm-hmm. we, we don't, don't claim to be organic no. but we don't, um, use pesticides we don't use pesticides of any sort mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that we do use is nematodes, which is biological um, control. Yeah, yeah, biological control for for pests. Um, we occasionally use some organic slug pellets, mm. but that's really or very limited. Targeted and specific. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, compost, we tried peat reduced, didn't we? Compost. A number of years ago, and it was it was okay, but it was it Just was dry. quite difficult. It dried quite mm. quickly, yeah. um, and there doesn't seem to be particularly a demand from customers for it. Okay, um, that's interesting, isn't it? I think there's yeah. a lot of chat of it in the industry, but whether people here actually well, I think the percentage of um, peat for the horticultural industry is proportionally quite small, anyway. Okay, I mean it's not something we should ignore, obviously, no, no. but. Um, and we do try and look at alternatives. Yeah, and, you know, if there are some good alternatives, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll prepare to. I mean, we use chemical-based fertilizer, yeah. don't we? So slowly these slow. fertilizers. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, we try and be as organic as we can, don't we? Really, like yeah. sounds a good, sensible balance anyway for yeah. like yourselves. Yeah, I mean, we're we're so small, really, as to mm-hmm. make not a huge amount of impact on. Um, I mean, plastic is obviously an issue. But yeah, mm, but we do try and we do, we do reuse. If we've um, if we've done a planting, mm-hmm. all our pots come back and are reused. Mm-hmm. So anything where we still have the pot mm-hmm. after we've yeah. used the plant, yeah. um, we reuse. And um, we try and we reuse all our trays for mm-hmm. as long as we can until they disintegrate. Mm-hmm. Um, Plastic so, compost bags mm-hmm. is, a, is obviously a problem, but then we use those for rubbish. But it's obviously going to end up somewhere, so it's, it is an issue. Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. do try and reuse whatever yeah, we can, can don't yeah, we? Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, full disclosure, obviously, I'm someone that's interested in setting up similar kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. <laughs> small scale, growing from the back garden type thing. What? How would you encourage others to, to go about doing something like what you've managed to achieve here? I think you have to love doing it mm-hmm. is is the key, really. Yes, don't do it for the money. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, no, because you'll be very disappointed very quickly. Um, make sure you have plenty of space. You always need more space. Mm-hmm. Always, no matter mm-hmm. how much space you've got, mm-hmm. you always need more. Um, I suppose starting off small, really, and just. Yeah, it, build, it know, build it up and, and find your outlet. Yeah, exactly. I think. You know, mm. you know, um, it's growing something that's not going to, you know, be yes. not going to sell. Yeah, and and there's also it's a balance between grow things that you like, mm-hmm. but also be prepared to grow things that you might not like but that sell. 
Mm. (laughs) Um, Be aware of of having things that flower at different times of year Mm. um, because people buy what's in flower. Mm -hmm. So if you go into farmer's markets, for instance, once a month, then think about what you're going to be able to sell at those diff- in those different months. Yes, because it's going to cost you. I mean, if you take a table of the yeah. farm, you need to think, well, am I going to be able to sell enough to yeah. to cover that cost and um, getting there, etc. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and be prepared to not grow things if they don't sell. Mm. I mean, we, we have had a real, <laughs> really bad habit of buying hundreds of bulbs Right and planting them in pots to sell, um, and daffodils mm. in particular in pots don't sell. Really, people don't want to buy a pot of daffodils, do yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, we. Do you think it's maybe because you can see them everywhere? They're, they, you know, they're and, planted quite. And, and people know that you can get bulbs. I mean, I suppose there's the odd odd bit, odd, yeah. odd pot will sell, yeah. but not not, not many. Know. We end up with lots of pots of daffodils, okay. which we have to do something. Yeah, with. I think people just think, well, I'll buy. The bulbs, bulbs, bulbs. you know, at some point, yeah. yeah. Um, so some, there are some, some bulbs, bulbs that sell well. well. Yeah. Um, more unusual things, mm. um, things or even like just things like the muscari, which are flowering just now. Yeah. they always sell well. Or an yeah, they yeah. look because they're, they're pretty, quite pretty in a little pot, yeah. and people can just pick up a pot and take it to yeah. a bit. Yeah, but yeah, um, but we've also had problems with overwintering the bulbs because obviously you're planting in, in the autumn and then mm. they get too wet and they rot yeah. and the mice eat them. them oh yeah we have such a nightmare with mice mm. right so that's another one of your challenges absolutely mice that has it. to be oh dear. I think mice has to be the, the our worst. biggest issue mm. yeah. by a long stretch isn't it mm. um, they just eat anything mm. anything and deer if oh. you're in an environment where there's deer they can be a real nuisance as well mm-hmm. um We've actually had sheep in here, haven't we? <laughs> Neighbours' sheep escaped and got onto the golf course. And we found them down the drive eating the plants at one point. <laughs> the so that's a bit of a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. It was a one-off, um, But I think, I think the other thing in terms of um, if you, when you're starting off is finding good suppliers of the of yes. all the stuff that you need. And a lot of people assume when, when you say you run a plant nursery... An awful lot of people assume that you've got acres of polytunnels, and actually, for herbaceous perennials, you really don't need mm-hmm. a lot of internal space. Mm-hmm. And particularly if you're going to grow stuff that is hardy here, yeah, you want it outside. Mm-hmm. You don't. You need some space for propagation purposes. Yeah, but um, I mean, we'll show you around sure. ours, but you'll see how much space or how little space we've got inside mm-hmm. um, and the polytunnel was really there for, for the bedding mm-hmm. and we happen to use it for mm-hmm. the perennials as well okay. now um, so you don't you really don't need acres of in, inside space do you mm-hmm. um, so what do you both enjoy growing most that'd probably be my final question what particular plant yeah do you have like a, a specific Thing that you enjoy growing more than anything else? I don't think so. I think it's it's the propagation of anything really yeah. that, that appeals to us. That is that that's actually that kind of task yeah. that you enjoy the and most. Particularly, yeah. I think for me, things from seed mm. yeah. are just that's, so satisfying. Oh, yeah. it's, amazing. it's amazing. There's a there's a um, a plant 
uh, I don't know if you come across it, Lysimachia ephemerum. Oh, and God. it's a it's it'll grow to a clump probably a good two foot wide mm-hmm. and the plant's about four foot tall quite fleshy leaves isn't mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Um, and a beautiful white spike mm-hmm. it's lovely I do know it. Mm-hmm. and you can grow it from seed mm-hmm. it grows true from seed because it's a species and um, it's not a, there's no I don't think there's any cultivars of it, but anyway, the the, the species is a, is beautiful on its own. So so it comes true from seed because it's species, and the seed is like sand, it's tiny tiny stuff, and it will grow into this huge plant within a season. You know, I mean, you sow it. Well, certainly if you sow it now, by by next year. It will be that big mm-hmm. and flowering to this height, mm-hmm. and just <laughs> that's incredible to me. You mm-hmm. know, to go from that tiny, Nothing tiny huge. little grain of sand, virtually, yeah. to something of that size. That's what I find most satisfying. I think, mm-hmm. um, and to see the variety of shapes and forms of things, you know, as they grow from seed. Mm-hmm. Um, to really lanky, floppy things and tiny little things, and uh, it's just mm, it's very satisfying. I think, yeah. Mm. My thanks to Karen and Sue from East Newt Perennials for spending time with me and for giving me so much information about their background and their nursery. If you want to meet them too, or even better, buy some of their fantastic plants. They can be found at St Andrew's Farmer's Market on the first Saturday of every month or at Bowhouse Food Market near Ely and at various plant fairs throughout the spring and summer. There are more details to be found on their website eastnookperennials.co.uk and you can also follow the nursery on Facebook. Likewise, if you're curious, you can find my teeny tiny micro nursery on Facebook at The Secret Garden. Or follow me on Instagram where I post photos of the nursery, my garden, other people's gardens and any interesting plants I find wherever I may be. Look for at My Corner of Earth and feel free to share your garden using the hashtag My Corner of Earth and show where you grow. The podcast will be back again very soon with a preview of the national gardening event Gardening Scotland from the point of view of some horticulture students getting ready to display their show gardens on College Street. So come back and give it a listen. For now, be happy and well in your corner of Earth. Goodbye.